when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the third episode of STT Rewind. I'm Owen Hughes, co-editor of setthetape.com and co-host of this podcast along with Steve Norman. Coming up on the program, in part one we go stratospheric over films as we react to the Cloverfield paradox dropping on Netflix immediately after Sunday's Super Bowl and wonder if the lack of major marketing campaign was superb or just... Owl. Part two returns attention to TV, specifically UK TV, and the upcoming series of John Richardson's Ultimate Warrior, which begins filming in London next week for Dave. And we ask if the Freeview channel is leading the way for original comedy in this country and elsewhere. In the free play section, we turn our attention to games once again as Humble Bundle rock our world with a bunch of games from Scottish developer Rockstar, just in time for the Red Dead Redemption 2 release state announcement. Now, let's get on with the show. We start this week's episode, as always, with some film chat, beginning with the news that, oh my God, stop the podcast, oh my God, Steve, oh my God, did you know there's a Cloverfield movie, oh my God, because I was actually just about to stop recording then, I thought something else had gone wrong. So convincing was my performance mm. reading that. Uh, yeah, apparently everyone is really excited for a new Cloverfield film. Apparently. Who yes. Knew? Yeah. Or are they? Because it's not unusual for films to get big, grandiose marketing campaigns, uh, the cost of which almost doubles the production budget. Uh, but Netflix kind of dropped the bombshell on the world during the biggest TV sporting event Ever, maybe. I don't know. I haven't checked. No, it must be the it must be the World Cup final. It, or, yeah, World World Cup or Olympics, I imagine, probably trumps yeah, it. Yeah, because more uh, more people globally have an interest. But yeah. anyway. But the Super Bowl the Super Bowl is pretty big uh globally nowadays. Yeah. The Cloverfield Paradox dropped during Super Bowl and immediately the film had hype for seemingly coming out of nowhere. I've watched it watched it today, so Tuesday. Yeah. So I mean, considering the Super Bowl was you know, late UK time. Um, mm. So kicking off near enough midnight UK time. Within 48 hours of, of yeah. possibly knowing it was out, I have seen it. Yeah, so that's the kind of hype that it's generated. So the point I was um, going to make, really, 
uh, is marketing campaigns for movies. Did Netflix just reinvent the world of film PR by seemingly not doing any PR and buying one presumably mega expensive advert slot? Or is it all just a bit gimmicky and who really cares because the film's not that great anyway? Well, I mean, the Cloverfield films have always been a bit different with their with their marketing. I think 10 Cloverfield Lane, which was last mm-hmm. year or the year before, two years ago now, um, which was which was fantastic film. That had a kind of a more traditional marketing campaign, I think, with Trek. But the original Cloverfield, I think, just had a a couple of posters and teaser trailers, not even a full trailer, and just was just out. Um, mm. But I think that also made the most of being, other than the Blair Witch Project, the first kind of really popular found footage film. It was massive in terms of obviously the monster, but also just like the the way that it broke uh, into the box office. Um, Ten Cloverfield Lane, I thought was really good. But the, I mean, the thing that's that's more telling about this film, the, uh, the Paradox film and uh, Cloverfield Lane, was they originally were scripts that were then retrofitted into a Cloverfield mm. series. Yeah, I mean, I think when the first Cloverfield film came out, they, at the time, planned on making a series, and then it took the best part of a decade for them to actually get another film out. And like you said, it was co-opted from something that wasn't meant to be anything to do with Cloverfield. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, when at the time that Cloverfield came out, um, like I said earlier, it's found footage, and there's a part of the film where they're on... The, you know the, the people with the camera on the one of the bridges in new york don't know which mm-hmm. one but across the way they see another guy with a camera filming yeah. everything and there was stories that another cloverfield film was going to come out but it's going to be from that group's point of view or there was going to be one from the military's point of view on the on the same event and then like i said nothing happened until 10 cloverfield lane which is say nearly a decade later mm-hmm well, there's not much point really speculating about future paranormal, uh, future Cloverfield films because, uh, of course, we won't get any marketing for them. They'll just appear out of nowhere. No, there is one that is due out pretty soon, isn't there? Is it Cloverfield Annihilation set in World War II? World War II, yeah. yes. Mm. Um, I mean, none of them really link with each other directly as it stands, do they? No, I guess I it's... I mean, there is, a, there is a link, and I'm sure they do tie together somehow... But at the moment, there's no bar, a couple of creatures, I suppose, no obvious tie-in, you know, no characters, no continuous story running through mm. the, the three films we have so far. Yeah, I quite like that about them, to be honest. Yeah. I like the fact that it's doing that, rather than doing the bog-standard sequel, seeing that other group who are on the roof opposite, rather than seeing their story, which, face it, would just basically be the same thing, just with a different group of people. Yeah, and if, and if anything like Cloverfield, as much as I liked Cloverfield, as much as I thought it was a really good film, every single one of the main characters was a dick. <laughs> yeah, the, the original was not a pleasant experience to watch, and being the company of those people. I no. think both, both the, the first two films, though, you could say they work back really well as satires of... Um, the current political status of America at the time. What I didn't really grasp from Cloverfield Paradox was any depth, really, beyond here's a group of kind of interesting people, not particularly original characters, who are 
stuck on a spaceship mm. as a disaster report. The, 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 the thing was, I mean, it, it actually coming out that film was a big surprise. No one seemed to knew, know it was going to happen. It's quite an mm. achievement to keep, with that sizable cast in there, some big names in that cast. So to keep a film yeah. of that budget and with those some of the names that are in that film under wraps until it drops is a pretty big achievement. Mm. I mean, there's no seat. There's no secrets anymore in Hollywood. We we know that. Um, but you know, it's <laughs> it's it's difficult to keep anything a secret. You know, we know that, and, mm. and studios are always so keen to tell everyone what's happening. We know now that there's going to be about twenty million other Star Wars films coming out compared to other films. Specifically, you mentioned the, the Star Wars movies there, where um, they can't help but really like tease the names of the films. 24 months in advance of the thing actually going into production whereas this just dropped out of nowhere have you got any kind of favorite marketing campaigns anything that sort of strikes you off the top of your head as as one that was quite good not off the top of my head really no i mean i have quite liked the way that a lot of films or studios have started to move away in trailers of giving away the best bits of the film or the plot of the film. Mm. I mean, I noticed this especially with The Force Awakens a few years ago where I thought they did a really good job of uh, not you know, making you excited enough, not that a Star Wars fan wouldn't be excited enough about a new Star Wars film anyway, but made you excited enough for the film and made mm-hmm. you already want to see the kind of new characters in the film but didn't give anything away of the plot and the story. Mm-hmm. And the bits they did... They weren't as straightforward when you actually saw the film as what the trailer made them out to be. And it seems that since then, I think that went down quite well with with film goers and film fans. Mm -hmm. And since then, you've seen a lot of uh, trailers take the same tact. I mean, there's still Mm -hmm. quite a few that do give away the best bits, especially comedies. They tend to put a lot of the best jokes in the trailers still. But, you know, films that have of that type have seemed to stop giving away the whole plot in trailers now, which is only a good thing. It is. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say on that note, really, one was particularly good, I thought. um, And we've already mentioned um, favorite footage films, but I liked the Paranormal Activity campaign when that was coming out, the media campaign behind that, where you, you didn't see anything of the film in the adverts or the trailers. What you saw was the people in the cinema watching the Mm. film and their reactions to that. But that's kind of been overdone now because now you just get it for really oh, yeah, average yeah. films. It always seems to be horror films as well. Yeah, someone's going going to see, you know, Insidious 4 and suddenly yeah. it's like, oh, it's, a, it's the most scary film ever. One that as well, sticking with that that same um, film footage theme, uh, The Blair Witch Project, of course, was just the master. I mean, it's the, it is the go-to example for a quality marketing campaign. You know, they created a whole legend uh, about the Blair Witch and they made a website that went viral. People were sharing this legend of the Blair Witch and they created missing posters. You know, if you went to the um, IMDB page of the actors involved in the Blair Witch at the time, it said missing presumes dead. Yeah. So that's just like an awesome touch, isn't Mm. it? And so I think that created a nice bit of hype for that film. And, uh, you know, you could even go further back than this and say something, you know, staying in the horror genre even and talk about The Exorcist. Because, you know, the whole thing about The Exorcist uh, in 1978 wasn't really a big studio horror film like that before. Yeah. Uh, And they privately rented ambulances to wait outside the cinemas due to all the people who were supposedly passing out from fright, (laughs) which just built more and more hype for it. Because people thought, well, I'm going to go and see that then. Yeah. I think marketing campaigns, there is a place for them still. 
But like you, I'm just glad that we had a film that was like this, that just came out of nowhere and we didn't see all the best bits in a trailer six to 12 months ahead of release. Yeah. So with that in mind, what films are you looking forward to over the next couple of weeks? And I think there's a really big one that you're, you're quite yeah, keen well, to Yeah, well, there's two actually that seem to be having a UK release within a couple of days of each other. One is The Shape of Water, which I've heard nothing but good things about. Mm. And the other is uh, Black Panther, which is the latest Marvel movie. And the, the, the last one we'll have before Infinity Wars. That's true, isn't it? Yes, but the, I mean, the trailer mm. for Black Panther looks really good. It looks, it looks different. It looks kind of more uh thor ragnarok kind of fun superhero film which is what you know marvel needed a bit of refreshing i think and i think ragnarok did that and this one looks like it's going to continue on the same same vein um the soundtrack sounds like it's going to be absolutely amazing and (laughs) i think it's just yeah i think it's going to be kind of just a really good fun Marvel film and I'm quite looking forward to seeing Wakanda in kind of full glory. Films I'm looking forward to over the next week. Well, There's a couple of things that are coming out on Blu-ray that I've got review copies for. I'm dying to watch them as soon as we saw saw the email come through um, from the sort of PRs. I was like, yes, I will have the screener for that and I'll write a review. Um, So both of them come out on the 12th of February. First is Jigsaw, which is the latest film in the Saw series. And by all accounts, it sounds like a return to form for the franchise after a relatively kind of lacklustre end to the Saw series. It's meant to be very gruesome. It's 18 rated, which I think pretty much sells it to most fans of of the series. Um, But like I say, also out on the 12th of February, at the other end of my like film-watching spectrum uh, is a brand new 2K restoration of Carl Theodore Dreyer's German silent film, Michael, from 1924. And I am absolutely all over that. I love Carl Theodore Dreyer. Um, Day of Wrath or Dead Vampire. They're like some of my favourite films. And of course, you know, I think I've always said it, that, that, but ever since I first watched it, but The Passion of Joan of Arc is just near faultless. Um, so I'm really looking forward to Michael. So that comes out courtesy of Eureka's Masters of Cinema series. So you can look out for those coming up on the website. Uh, and we've also got on setthetape.com a review of The Cloverfield Paradox from Chris Haig, who I think was a bit more forgiving of it than our co-editor Tony Black was in his blog (laughs) and was a bit more in line with you and I, Steve, I think, on that one. And hopefully by the time this episode gets published, there will also be a separate feature from Callum Petch on the Cloverfield series. In TV, a brand new comedy series starring John Richardson called Ultimate Warrior, begins filming in London next week for UK TV, with the show expected to debut on Dave in the spring. Uh, The show will see John Richardson pitching his neuroses to various comedians and experts to determine how valid his worries are. And if past experience is anything to go by, uh, the comedian plus panel of comedians format that Dave have tried and tested will presumably bear fruit yet again. Taskmaster, with Alex Horne and Greg Davis, has been a huge success for the channel. And both Dara O'Brien's Go 8-Bit and Unspun with Matt Ford return to the airwaves as well. Uh, My question to you, Steve, is what state do you think British comedy is in right now? Uh, And kind of like a follow-up to that as well, how do you think it compares to to its American counterpart? I think it's quite good that Dave are making their own own shows because it's just better than having repeats of, of just 
old British programs on there all the time. I mean, open all hours. As, as well, all the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. as well as doing what um, you're doing the shows that you've mentioned, they also kind of do the, the newest series of Red Dwarf have all been done under they Dave. Did, yeah. uh, so it's not just kind of panel shows and that they're doing. They're actually making their own own kind of sitcoms as well. Um, and there's been another. They did Zapped as yes. well, which was quite good. Um, British comedy. Um, I can't think of a new British sitcom that I've really got into recently. Okay. Uh, but there's been a few American ones that I have. I mean, the League of Gentlemen specials that were out pre-Christmas, mm. well, they were fantastic, yeah. but it's not it's not anything new. It's going back to an old series. It releasing. was visiting, wasn't yes. it, to quote the show? But, it was, you can't stay, yeah. but you can just visit. But they were fantastic. Yeah. They were they were, they were yeah. great, and I, I wanted more, um, and you never mm. know. Um, but, yeah, like I said, I can't think of any... Um, new british sitcoms that i've really got into recently well there were a couple of quite big ones that came out sort of last year uh or the year, year before kind of a mix really uh, you know fleabag was a huge success for bbc um that was uh, very funny i thought but it was more of a dramedy show um you also i mean along those lines you have things like detectorists and catastrophe that came out white gold was quite funny i thought but then you you know you can sort of tailor that and say well you know, oh, and of course, I think you liked Back as well with Robert Webb and David Mitchell. Yeah, so yeah, that was yeah, that yeah. was quite good. Yeah, wonderful. But then I thought, you know, White Gold was quite good, but we don't really need to talk about that anymore, given the um, circumstances around its lead actor. But then, you know, you, you when you think of British sitcoms, I think most people will still probably think, you know, Mrs. Brains Boys, Not Going Out. Uh, what we mentioned, open all hours. That's back as well. Yeah. Minute. And birds of a feather, of course, has sort of returned. And I mean, it's, they, it's... I mean the BBC did a few remakes, wasn't it, a year or so ago, where they had um, mm. like Good Night Sweetheart, the Porridge rehab. Yeah. I actually liked the uh, Good Night Sweetheart comeback and wanted to see more of it. I thought it was quite good. Yeah, it would have been good. Do I tell you which one I think has been probably the best British sort of comedy series I've seen for a while? Uh, is Upstart Crow, right? Which is a Ben Elton series. With um, David Mitchell's in that as well. He plays Shakespeare, but it's mainly. It seems like it shouldn't be good, but if you think of like Ben Elton and Black Adder, yeah, but transpose that to being Shakespeare, that's kind of what it yeah. is, really. I mean, British comedy panel shows and stuff like that seem to be going quite well oh, yeah. at the moment. And you know, like the ones from Dave that you've mentioned, um, mm-hmm. I quite like the idea of uh, eight out of ten cats does countdown. Yeah, I, I just wish they'd take the actual rounds more seriously sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, that annoys you that they're, they're t- treating it too much like a comedy. No, I, I don't mind them doing the jokes and everything, <laughs> but I just want them to actually try hard with the answers to stuff. Yeah. That, yeah. I, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, I think you know, there's quite a lot of uh, comedy shows and panel shows that are actually quite good at the moment. Well, one that's kind of perhaps bridging the divide a little bit between British and American style comedy shows is uh, the mash report which is i guess you could call it a bit like the daily show or a bit like um a bit like last week tonight with john oliver that kind of series it's a satire of the week's news um but i think it's very funny it is quite clever it's perhaps not like writer's room style american comedy uh, clever where they get a bunch of boffins and a bunch of funny people to to come up with the gags but it is really good it works really well nish kumar's working as a great host i love the rachel paris bits in there so yeah the mash report is is on bbc it's only frustrating in that it's just six episodes 
as British TV shows tend to be, whereas American right. shows, of course... Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, in terms of sitcom, in terms of all British versus American shows, but especially sitcoms, first seasons of a lot of American stuff tend to be sort of six episodes, but when it turns out to be popular... Mm. So if you look at the American office and the, uh, the Ricky Gervais, Stephen Merchant's The Office... Each series of that was six episodes. Now, the first series of the US Office was six episodes. Yeah. Every season past that was 20-odd. <laughs> you know, and, it, and it's side to look at the um, US in between. So the UK in between is sort of six, eight episodes a series. The US one, they've only done one series. It did, didn't, wasn't quite as popular. I don't think the actual concept works quite as well transposing to Amer- American high no. schools. But, but anyway, like that one was like, 12, 14 episodes. And right. it's, it always seems, you know, if you look Overkill, at like the Big basically. Bang Theory, there's always 20-odd episodes in a season of that, something like that. Yeah, kind of churning them out, style comedies. They don't really always work. I mean, there are some American things that do. I, I, I don't watch it, but my wife likes it, uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, you know, and I think that yeah. hits its mark quite well. Curb Your Enthusiasm came back. That's never that many episodes. You know, that's still relatively short for an American series. And even some of the Netflix things, Bojack Horseman and uh, uh, Big Mouth, two sort of animated comedies that came out. uh, They weren't enormous episodes. I think they were between sort of seven and 12 episodes. Mm. Uh, And stuff like Glow was quite short. But, you know, to Americans, those are mini-series, aren't they? Yeah. You know, they're not... They wouldn't see that as a full season because they don't expect you know, 16 to 24 episodes worth of TV. Yeah. American shows, though, I mean, it's in The Good Place, which has been on Netflix, but I think he's actually on television properly in America. It has been, is 20-odd episodes a season, a couple mm-hmm. of seasons they've had. That's fantastic, by the way. I know there's a lot of a lot of articles on set of tape about that at the moment from various people, but that, that is fantastic if you want uh, something to watch. Okay, well, it seems like British comedy is in a decent place. British comedy is always in it. There's always some, if even if there's nothing on the surface, if you dig hard enough, you'll always find some British comedy, you know, worth mm. watching. There's nothing say as big and as popular as say Peep Show on telly. You'll always find something like uh, people just do nothing somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, in terms of TV, what are you looking forward to over the next uh, couple of weeks? I'll be honest, I've not been keeping up too much with um, television, but I know that The Walking Dead will be back on soon, and for my sins, I will just keep watching it. Um, <laughs> so I, 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 I don't know why. I am looking forward to it, I suppose, but I don't know why. No, you should be yeah, one of those who probably shouldn't be, but you are. No. But you might be interested in Altered Carbon on Netflix. Yes, I've seen that on Netflix. And see, it's always strange when, still, when people say to me, in in something like this when we do podcasts what are you looking forward to coming up on tv yeah soon i still don't think netflix yeah and i watch a lot of netflix but i don't think what's coming up on tv well i could talk about netflix here uh, along those lines i was going to pick another netflix series as well actually as it happens i was going to say black lightning um is what i'm kind of looking forward to i've watched the first episode thought it was i mean it's it's popcorn tv um I, there's no great depth to it it's based on a dc comic superhero um and it's weird because i've not really enjoyed i didn't get very far into arrow i gave up on the flash pretty quickly um because they just not they weren't doing anything for me but the first episode of black lightning i thought was quite entertaining for what it was 
so I'll be going back to watch watch more of those. And uh, I should say as well, Amy has a uh, profile of the character on setthetape.com for those of you who've got no idea who I'm talking about. <laughs> when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. It's our free play section, and this week we're going to be talking about games again, as we did in episode two. Charity gaming retailer Humble Bundle, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound like the correct way of describing them, but hopefully you'll know who I mean. Uh, Humble Bundle, they have what I think we can all agree is a pretty cool deal on at the moment for Rockstar Games. Uh, Rockstar, of course, being behind Grand Theft Auto and uh, Red Dead Redemption, which we'll come on to shortly. Hold your hats. But the Grand Theft Auto Vice City, San Andreas 3 and 4, Liberty City Stories are all part of this humble bundle, as is the Max Payne for, uh, games, L.A. Noir, Bully, Manhunt. They're all up for grabs on PC, and some of them are on Mac as well, in a tiered pay-what-you-want basis, with all money going to um, charity, which I think is an amazing value, considering you could get like a dozen games from Rockstar for about 11 quid. It's yeah. pretty good. But one game that's missing from the collection is Red Dead Redemption, which is a shame, I think, because I imagine most people will be dying to get their hands on it at the moment, given the recent confirmation of the sequel's release date, which is, wait for it, 26th of October, 2018. 26th of October this year, and I cannot wait for it. Uh, Steve, are you a fan of Red Dead? Or Rockstar in general, I guess. I am, yes. Um, I've probably played all the Grand Theft Auto games, and I'm playing through GTA 5 again at the moment. But did you complete all the Grand Theft Auto games? That's since the it's become, you know, since it's moved away from top-down yeah. view, certainly, I couldn't tell you <laughs> one, two, London, I could honestly couldn't, but since they've come from top-down, definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, playing through GTA 5 again at the moment, and enjoying it still, and... Yeah, Red Dead Redemption was great, and I also had the add-on, which was Undead Nightmare. Oh, yes, that was good. Which was yeah. also good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, big fan of Rockstar Games. And what about Red Dead 2, then? Are you excited for it? I am, I am I'm not good. It's so far away. <laughs> it's like, you know, I am excited for it, but, you know, I can't do anything with it for nearly a year, so... Mm. Um, but yeah, I will definitely be getting it when it's out. And I just think Rockstar do with, with something like that and Grand Theft Auto, they're so good at making these sort of large scale mm. worlds mm. to play. Not, you know, not large scale in so much as what you have in something like, say, World of Warcraft or Fallout or something like that. Also, but, yeah, you know, I guess Witcher would be a comparison and, um, yeah. you know, those massive open world games. But Yeah, where even if you're not on a mission... It's not a quest in Grand Theft Auto. Red Dead Redemption really doesn't sound quite right calling it quests. 
if you're not on a mission, you can just drive around and obviously do what you do, but you you can just go and free play in the in the in the uh, within the map. Yeah, no, I, I I really liked Red Dead Redemption. I don't think I ever finished it though, so maybe I'll have to go back to that as well before uh, before the I sequel. Defi- comes I definitely over. remember finishing the main plot. I mean, whether I actually did all the little side missions and everything, I don't know, but I definitely finished the main the main story. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. I have only finished Grand Theft Auto Five. Of all the Rockstar games I've played, and I've I've liked them all really. Um, even for Grand Theft Auto Four, which I know has its uh, um, critics, but I liked them all. But the only one I ever completed was Grand Theft Auto Five. Really? Mm. Just uh, never finished them because I think I get sidetracked by all the extra additional things, like being in that world and doing all these different missions yeah. and finding stuff to do. It's just fun that's not part of a main yeah. story. Um, I think San Andreas was probably my favourite Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Although 5 is good. I like the, the whole concept on Grand Theft Auto 5 being able to play as three different characters. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that before I got the game. I wasn't sure whether that would work. I thought it'd be a bit annoying, but they make it work really well. Yeah, fits. yeah. It's, it's about time another Grand Theft. That one's a few years old now. I thought another Grand Theft Auto would be on the pipeline by now. Well, I guess if they've been working on this um, Red Dead Two, that's yeah. their big AAA game for the for this console, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, because they'll be moving on soon, I guess. So, was it PlayStation Pro that's just come out, and then Xbox, Xbox Scorpion One or One X or whatever yeah. it is? Yeah. So, you know, I think they'll probably have this as their big game for this console and keep their Grand Theft Auto 6 for another day. I mean, the Grand Theft Auto Online series has been hugely popular as well, hasn't it? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not much of an online gamer. I know you play a bit of FIFA Ultimate Team, but you uh, you ever ventured into the online world for Grand Theft Auto? No, I've tried. And I just can't get into it. I don't know why. I just can't mm. get into the online side of Grand Theft Auto. I mean, plenty of other games I'd play online, but not, not that one. I just can't, can't yeah. get my head around it. Well, as I just mentioned FIFA, I know you've got a bit of uh, a gripe to get off your chest as well about Football Manager, which has uh, caused you... Are you are you actually blocked by the guy who made Football Manager on Twitter? Yeah, Miles Jacobson. Yeah. yeah. Him and Richard Keyes have blocked me on Twitter and I actually wear it as a badge of honour. You uh, what, How did you get yourself blocked by um, both of them? Um, Richard Keyes, I probably just said something um that i shouldn't have done to him but the man's an idiot <laughs> yes um, that is true uh miles jacobson was i was criticizing the decision to put brexit into football manager um when they had no idea on how brexit would affect football they put brexit um, into football manager they did it in football manager 17 and it's carried into football manager 18 the, you know, at some point in the game brexit you brexit's announced and there's three different and you get it at random it's three you get a soft brexit a medium brexit or a hard brexit and it has different different effects on work permits for foreign players or non yeah, yeah. non british players if you're playing as a british club within the game and it's just it annoyed me so much because it's just him making his own political point and it just seems stupid putting it in the game because yes brexit's happening and football will have to adapt to that, but we don't know at the moment how it's going to affect football. Mm. So why put it in there? They've also in, in Football Manager eighteen, yeah, put in a feature where players can now come out as gay, which to me actually isn't so much of a bad thing. It only comes out with the the regen players, and so it's only those players that will 
come out as gay in the game. Um, I don't think that's a particularly bad thing, but it's, again, it's him making his own kind of statements because it's yeah. not happened in football yet. That seems kind of like a good thing to do, though. No, that one, that one's not a bad thing. That one's quite progressive and not uh, not a bad idea. Um, but the Brexit thing just baffled me and irritated me because you don't know how it's going to affect football yet, so why put it in there? Yeah, I suppose. I guess you, you're probably playing Football Manager at the moment in Grand Theft Auto Five. Is there anything else that you've um, had a bash at lately? Yeah, I got um, Star Wars Battlefront 2, mm-hmm. which, different to the first one, so much it added a story mode to to the game, um, In same as the first Battlefront, um, uh, it is all style over substance, it looks fantastic, as a Star Wars fan, it's it's fun flying around X, X-Wings and TIE Fighters and that, but... Mm-hmm. The actual story mode's a bit disappointing, really, and not long enough. And I know it had all the problems about these loot boxes and everything, which hasn't really affected me as of yet. Yeah. Mm. Imagine making a Star Wars game like Destiny. Well, that's what it should be, isn't it? But, you know. Yeah. Well, speaking of Destiny, um, I'm not playing any games at the moment because I can't get my hands on my PS4 because my wife has been playing Monster Hunter World. I've heard about this, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for those who don't know, it's quite an old franchise now. And she's been playing them since uh, 3, or I think it was 3, that we had on the Wii U, and then we got them on the DS, and then she's got Monster Hunter Generations, and Monster Hunter World has come out. It's by Capcom, hugely popular series in Japan, like enormous. Uh, But to me, I couldn't get into it, because it is very unforgiving for new players. All you do is hunt monsters. You upgrade your armour. You go and fight some other monsters, you can kill them, you can collect them, you can chop bits off them and use it to make more equipment and more weapons and more clothes and stuff for your little house thing, and then you go out and fight more monsters. And it's just over and over again. I can see why it's hugely addictive, um, because each monster is different, it's tons of different weapons you use, and it changes the way the game plays, and, you know, uh, it's it's very customizable to your particular style. The reason I brought it up after mentioning Destiny is because apparently lots of Destiny players have been migrating over to the new Monster Hunter game um, because this is the first one on a major console, discounting the Wii U, obviously. So that's the reason I haven't been playing it, but I have been watching it in the background whilst doing other things. So, yeah, it looks very good. But that is it really for this week, Steve. Thank you very much for for coming on. No problem. And uh, we'll be back in a fortnight. Thank you for listening to another edition of STT Rewind. I've been Owen Hughes and joining me was Steve Norman from setthetape.com. If you like the show, you can do us a huge favour by spreading the word. Find us at acast.com forward slash setthetape or add the RSS feed rss.acast.com forward slash setthetape to your favourite podcast app. Share the link with friends, relations, enemies too if you so desire and you can all wait for the fourth episode of STT Rewind in a fortnight's time. See you soon. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. 
As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.